Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Essay Voices from the Field. Each week we aim to bring you the true stories of student affairs. Over the course of this podcast, we hope to bring you both voices that feel like they are telling your own story and those that bring you stories you've never heard before. The podcast with expert guests and practical advice. Get ready to learn and become the best higher ed professional you can be. Welcome to Student Affairs, Voices from the Field. This podcast is sponsored by NASPA, Student Affairs Administrators in Higher Education. This week, I am excited to have Dr. George McClinton to talk to us about, get this y'all, college student gambling. So let's hear about this because this should be quite interesting. Thank you, Dr. George, for so much for being on the show. And let's get started. If you would give us some background about you, your the institution, the type of institution, and your background. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. I, I'm really glad to be here. And thanks for your work on this series. I think it's a really nice resource for folks in the field. So hopefully today's conversation will, folks will find the information useful. I've been in student affairs for over 35 years. As I say to students all the time, I hope I look younger than I am. I drink a lot of (laughs) diet soda. I don't know what's in it, but I'm grateful for the preservatives. For the vast majority of those years, I was a student affairs professional. 15 years of them, I was a senior student affairs officer. Always been in, because I see student affairs as being about teaching and learning. I've always been a faculty member. I've always taught at least one course a year, if not more. And I had always figured that when I was at a certain point in my career, I would make the transition to full-time faculty ranks. And so I got the opportunity. This is the beginning of my second year here at Ole Miss. So about two years ago, I got the opportunity to make the transition. And I'm very excited to be here. This is obviously the public flagship in the state of Mississippi, but I really wanted to be in Mississippi because the students we serve are rural. We serve a wide range of learners, right? All sorts of backgrounds and abilities and a mix of SES. And, and I'm very interested in rural students and in issues of diversity and social justice. And in Mississippi, those are very real living issues. So that brought me to Ole Miss, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. But like I say, this is, I'm in my 35th year here, and I've been in NASPA for probably more than 25 years. I've lost track of exactly how many years. But in terms of where I've been in my career, I was at Northwestern University. Then I went to the one true university in Arizona, the University of Arizona. That's for my friends out there at those other day schools up in Tempe. And then I went up to Dickinson State University, which is a baccalaureate four-year institution in a very southwest, very rural part of North Dakota, which was a fascinating experience. And then I left there for a regional public. At the time I went, it was called Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne, but it's now called Purdue University Fort Wayne. So I spent 10 years there as a vice chancellor. And then from there, I came here. You mentioned when we were talking earlier about a a book or a publication on student gambling. Can you share that? with me, please? At some point, and I can't recall exactly when, but around the late 1990s and 2000s, I started playing blackjack and poker. And I was, at the time, living in Chicago. And I would either play on the internet, which was very early in those days, or I would go to a riverboat casino and play there. 
And at the Riverboat Casino, I was running into students from the university where I work. And that made me start to think, wow, students are gambling. Like that had never occurred to me that students would be out gambling, right? It just hadn't occurred to me. And then I was at the time that, you know, as I say, I'm older than I look. I was in one of those asynchronous, what were then called bulletin boards before Twitter and all that stuff, we used to actually chat on bulletin boards and somewhere after typewriters. And there was a a student, well, I didn't recognize at first as a student, but there was somebody in there saying, hey, I want to get into a 2550 Texas Hold'em game, which refers to a pretty pricey, I mean, I was a working professional and I could only play in two to $5 games. And this was somebody asking for a 25 to 50 game And they had a Northwestern student email address. So out of curiosity, I used this tool we had and I I reverse searched them and I figured out who it was and they were a sophomore. So they're probably not 21, which means it's not legal. And they're looking for a 25 to 50 Texas Hold'em game. And I thought that's somebody who's in trouble. And that led me to start to look around for literature on how much do college students gamble and what do they play and what are the issues that may come up for them. And that really got me to thinking about it. And what I discovered was there really wasn't anybody in student affairs or, or higher ed professional side of the house talking about that stuff. Everything I could find was in the literature of counseling or psychology, and that was limited but interesting. And so I decided that I would try to put together one of the New Directions and Student Services monographs on college student gambling. So in 2006, working with Tom Hardy and Jim Caswell, who's since passed away. Jim was a longtime student affairs, senior student affairs officer at Southern Methodist, right? SMU. So we co-edited a New Directions book, which to this, our monograph, which to this day is really the only thing that's out there focused on student affairs practice and college student gambling. As I say, There's some really good literature out there on how much college students gamble, what the morbidities are, what the reasons are, but it all comes out of the counseling and psychology fields. It it doesn't tend to come out of student affairs as the sort of center of the house. Interestingly enough, when I got the invitation from you guys to be on, you know, this is a topic that's always on my mind. It's always sort of around, right? But I really become concerned because there's, I believe, about to be, in the history of our country, there have been a series of, I, Nelson Rose, described three waves of gambling history. Then Ken Winters and I, in 2006, described a fourth wave which was when internet gambling got big and poker got big. You may remember that. And those things really blew up. Well, I am convinced that we're about to have a fifth wave of gambling in the United States based on the couple of things, esports and the recent Supreme Court legislation clearing the way for legalized sports betting. So as you guys reached out to me to do this, I, I am currently writing again on college student gambling. When we were discussing the topics and who we wanted to invite to the show, you know, I, like you, I just, of course, students gamble, but you don't think about it like that. And then here's an under 21 student who clearly has a fake ID or has been there so much that they've just let him come in. But it just never fathomed to me that like gambling, I mean, you know, people shoot dice and that type of thing in the neighborhoods or whatever, but serious gambling at casinos. Wow. Okay. So, and see, okay, let me be clear. I've already said I enjoy gambling. So I'm not anti-gambling or anti-gaming. No. Right. You know, I, it, to me, it's a lot like how I feel about alcohol. It, it's an adult choice. If it's legal and you do it in moderation and, it, you know, it, and it's healthy and all that, 
that's a choice that people make. Absolutely. What I am very pro is educating students about what gambling is and isn't. Because because you can say to a student, do you ever gamble? And they will look you in the eye and say no. But then if you say to them, did you ever bet a buddy for a dollar on a football game? Oh, yeah, I've done that. Well, that's gambling. Right. Did you ever buy a scratch off lottery ticket? That's gambling. Our own university sponsor gambling. How many of us, particularly at small universities, have our student athletes go up into the stands and sell 50-50 raffle tickets to fund our travel to games? Right. That's gambling. It's legally gambling. It's it's ethically gambling. And so part of my, I don't know if you call it crusade mission, is to get people to go, okay, that is gambling. And I am doing it. And if I'm going to do it, then I need to think about my morals and my values. And I need to think about my budget. And I need to understand enough about gambling to know that there's no game out there that's set up for you to win. One of the things that scares me about college student gambling, okay, here, here's some numbers for you. 70 to 80% of enrolled college students have gambled at least once in their lifetime. Between a quarter and a third of all enrolled college students gamble on a weekly basis. A quarter to a third, okay? Estimates vary on problem or pathological gambling, and it depends on how you define it, but it runs from like 3 to 15% in that range. And pathological gambling is associated for students with poor academic performance, with overconsumption of alcohol, illicit drug use, suicidal ideation, right? But, or and, when we ask students who gamble why they gamble, they say these three things. The number one thing by orders of magnitude is money. And then it's to be social and then it's because I'm bored. Think about money. Think about how little we all know undergraduates and how little financial education and how little financial literacy they get. Think about the financial pressures that so many of our students are under. And imagine a student who sees a mega millions jackpot that reaches whatever the last one was. I forgot. Wasn't it nearly a billion? That was some amazing amount of money, like $900 yeah. billion. Dollars it, was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> right? And you're a student who isn't sure where your next ramen noodles are coming from but you got a dollar to go get a mega bucks ticket and you don't understand the math of how that lottery works and you think I can get healthy. One of the things that scares me about gambling and college students is the money pressure that many of them are under and the fact that many of them see gambling as quote unquote an easy way to make money. I know something about college football. I have this system for blackjack. I, I can outsmart the math, you know? I, I, this one slot machine, I'm so lucky when I play for free on the internet because those casino makers will give me this game for free on the internet. Now, why do they do that? Because once you're hooked on that game, you're going to go to a casino and play that game. And oh, by the way, it's the free game is set up to be a lot better payoffs <laughs> than the <laughs> game where you have to put quarters in. Machines. Absolutely. You know, and what's funny when you bring that up, like I said, there's nothing wrong with gambling as long as you're doing it in moderation, just like drinking. And And legally. Because for how many of our students, it's not legal. I mean, like I'm in Mississippi. Sports betting just became legal here August or September after the Supreme Court decision in May. But you got to be 21 to gamble, right? And so if I'm not 21, I'm not supposed to be doing it. There's that. And then what happens is if I can't do it legally and I'm 20, and I think I got an over, I got no trouble finding somebody who calls themselves a bookie, who's really a student who's a pathological gambler. Because a real bookie is a business person. 
And their job is to get the same amount of money on one side of the game as the other side of the game. And then they take their 10% from the losers. And that's the money that they make. These students who we run into, and you can, you can look through newspapers and you can find story after story of universities busting the so-called bookie. They're not bookies. They were doing business with a bookie. They got behind. The bookie said to them, you owe me $1,000, but here's what I'm going to let you do. If you bring me $10,000 in wagers from your friends, I'm going to write down some of your debt. And we call that kid a bookie. But what that kid really is, is a problem gambler who is stuck. Right. Well, what's really interesting, and I gamble in clear motivation. When I go to Vegas, I have $40. Yeah. And after I put that $40 in that slot machine, and, and my favorite game is <laughs> Wheel of Fortune, because if you hit that one spot, the numbers at the top, when you get that free spin, the lowest that you can receive is like $40. And I've right. hit it. I've gotten 100 I've gotten 150 But see, I'm a selfish gambler because once I hit, I cash out, go get my money, and I'm done. I just can't see. You, for you're me, the casino's feeding, worst nightmare. Feeding a machine and not having Ford. Now, I'll take that money and go to the nearest outlet and buy some shoes and some clothes. Something <laughs> I can, You know what I'm saying? Something I can work with. And I know I spent this money on this shirt. Or I spent this so, money on these shoes. So, yeah. So for the folks who are listening in, assemble a room full of students, okay? And divide them into two teams and have a captain for each team and say, okay, now each of your teams theoretically has $10. We're going to toss a coin. And captain number one, you decide for everybody in the stands on your side, you decide and you flip the coin. And what'll happen is, so they either go up a dollar or they go down a dollar. Whoever's down, I turn to that side and I say, you're down a dollar, but it was just heads. It's 50-50, right? It's got to be tails the next time. How about if we double the bet and flip Mm -hmm. again? Almost inevitably. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Flip. It's heads again. Now you're down $3. You can't (laughs) stop, man. You you can't be down $3. You're not going to let them get away with this. Plus you're ready to lose $10. So let's do it again. One more time for three bucks. You can get even. So if they hit and they get even, then I say to them, well, you're back to even. You might as well keep going. And this is exactly how casinos work. Because people think, I came prepared to lose X. And they almost never walk away until they lose X or X plus Y. And they are ahead like X plus Z. Whatever Z is, they think, well, that you hear it. That's free money. That's Mm -hmm. the casino's money. I can play with that money. No. That's what they count on. That's why Vegas is Vegas, right? And so this is what our students don't understand. Casino industry has an amazing number of sociologists and psychologists who they bring in. All of the things that are every, every game that's run by professionals, they have the, the choice of colors, the choice of sounds, the choice of images, how often the lights blink, how bright they are. That's all researched to the nth degree to trigger human beings to do certain things. Like none of that's an accident. Wow. And like I said, you hit the nose. We learn this type of behavior when we're young. I bet you such and such. Oh, I bet you such and such. How many of us have sat around the table at the family holidays? Families are going to sit around playing poker or playing something, and they may not play for real money. They may play for matchsticks or chips. 
but it sets kids up. Right. You're right. You know, and again, like you said, oh, I bet you this, I bet you that. You know, you think of that more as innocent gambling per se. I mean, it's on the TV. Okay, this coach is playing against this coach. If you lose, you shave your head and you paint it. You know, I used to work at USC. So you paint it cardinal and gold and you have to leave it like that for a week and you have to wear the jersey and all of that. That's right. gambling. Even though there's no money exchange, it's the essence of, ooh, I can do this. My team's not going to let me down. And it's exactly what you're talking about. And like you said, I can see now it makes sense why the casino industry or the gambling industry, well, a little more, more so the casinos hire sociologists and psychologists to be able to let them know how it works. And I mean, that's just scary. Right. And, um, and when you scary. talk about the connection or the intersection with higher ed and student affairs, there's a whole thing of not-for-profit gaming, right? I call it juice for Jesus. Like, it's okay if it's not-for-profit, right? So how many of us have casino night charities and 50-50 raffles and, you know, we send our students out? So there's all of that. You know what the single biggest betting event of the year is? Every single year, what is the largest betting event of the year? Um, well, I'm a football fan, so I'm going to say the national championship game, perhaps. Not the Super Bowl. It is March Madness. and then Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now, the, what we, we, you and I, I, I mentioned earlier that this idea of waves and the fourth wave and the fifth wave. And uh, I said to you before we got started, as you guys reached out to me, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm getting ready to write and publish a piece on this fifth wave. In May, the Supreme Court cleared the way for the expansion of legal sports gambling across the country. We have rapidly seen an increase in the number of states where it is now legal to bet on sports. Now, illegal sports betting is a huge thing. That was going on anyway, but now it's going to be legal. So take Mississippi, all of our boosters, all of our coaches, like we have to educate all of them about gambling and being around our NCAA D1 team. We have to redouble our efforts with our student athletes. Our students who are over 21 can now go bet legally. I mean, and again, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it has consequences Mm -hmm. for those of us who work with students and who care about notions of ethics and values and congruence of ethics and values, whatever, again, wherever you come down on the issue of gambling, but being congruent. My argument is not universities that do gambling are evil. My argument is you are not acting ethically if your college is using gambling to raise money, but you're not educating your students and your other constituents about gambling. If at this casino night, you don't have a brochure out about what problem gambling is and where the resources are, I don't think you're acting ethically. And so here's another thing that's going on. So esports. You know what esports are? Electronic sports? Right. All that fantasy team stuff. Well, there's fantasy teams, but there's also esports like Call of Duty teams. There are something like 400 universities across the country now that have esports teams that are either, but for now, I'll just say there are over 400 colleges currently that have esports teams that are either varsity sports or club sports. Research shows a tremendous comorbidity between esports and online gambling. And you can actually, in six states in this country now, I can go put a bet down on a college esports team. We're offering this stuff, and we're not thinking about this stuff. And again, I'm not saying we shouldn't offer it, but we cannot do this stuff and be mindless. Right. We have to be purposeful and thoughtful. That, that's my message over and over and over again, is... Be aware of what's going on. You know, I said this during the fourth wave when internet 
gambling was getting so big. It was at a time when we were all running around putting internet portals in every room, right? Because we needed mm -hmm. internet portals. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But do you realize that every time a student plugs into the internet, they have access to literally thousands of online casinos? We're giving them that access, but we're not educating them about what's on the other side. Well, I definitely would love to have you back to talk more about this esports thing, maybe a part two to student gambling. And it's really, it's just, like you said, until you started talking about 50-50 raffle, I mean, we all do that in our organizations, sororities, fraternities. I mean, it, it is gambling. And I just, I mean, I knew it was, but until you really brought it up in this light with the topic that we're discussing today, it, we are really setting up students for some bad habits, especially oh, yeah. now that it's legal. And I mean, but we do it all the time. You know, you'll shave your head, you do this or whatever. And here's a 50-50 raffle. You get the pot and tickets are being bought all through the stands, just like you mentioned. And so this is gambling, folks. This is gambling. Wow. Wow. So I don't know how much time we have left, but let me offer a couple quick practical tips. Be mindful, be, be educated, educate yourself and help educate students. Be mindful and purposeful, right? Think intentionally about this stuff. And the third thing is there's personalized normative feedback has been brief interventions have shown to be effective. That's a fancy way of saying if we will simply talk to students about the realities of gambling, like they think everybody does it and they think everybody's a winner. If we will simply say to students in very brief messages, it doesn't take huge sustained programs. This is an area where very brief, even one-time interventions been shown to be very effective in changing student gambling behavior. So there's three, in, in three minutes or less, less <laughs> three really quick concrete tips for people. I don't, I don't want to just come and bring a problem and not bring some ideas. And I appreciate those solutions, some of those solution thoughts there. First of all, let me thank you for joining me today. Secondly, wow. Thirdly, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I'm, because again, we don't think about that when we're doing 50-50. It's innocent. It's just helping the cause or whatever the case may be. And so I definitely would love to bring you back for a kind of part two student gambling so we can talk more about this esports things. I think um, I would love for you to explain exactly what that is and then give me the opportunity to really understand it so that we can see and make some a little bit of changes on campus because it's just about letting our students know the consequences and just, you know, we can't stop them. You know, every, you know, I won't say everybody gambles. Like I said, I, I put in $40 and I'm, I'm going shopping with my money. But this is a very important topic that definitely needs to have a part two, too. Thank you so much, George. I appreciate you. Stay tuned for more and more great topics hearing from experts in the field. And please continue having a great day or evening. Thanks for listening to Student Affairs Voices from the Field. If you enjoyed your time with us, tell a friend. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, let us know. If you want to be a guest, tell us your story. Email us at savoices at naspa.org. You can find all our info at naspa.org slash savoices. See you next time.